Welcome to the New Front Door podcast, with practical advice and fundamental principles to help churches and Christian ministries communicate, promote, plan, and support loving community and gospel proclamation. For more information, visit newfrontdoor.org. Hey, in this episode of the New Front Door podcast, we're going to be talking about this new so-called AI technology, the um, chat GPT type natural language text stuff, as well as the text to image generation um, tech that has become uh, widely talked about and reported about and uh, available now um, around the world. Um, And uh, for the purposes of this panel, I, Mikey Lynch, will be talking with Christine, Alan and Simon. They bring with them experience for Christian ministry, teaching, uh, evangelism, um, various tech and media and promotions and social media skills, interest in art and music, a whole range of different experiences across their lifetimes that have affected how they've used and interacted and come to understand this new technology, both practically, socially and theologically and spiritually. I hope you find it as interesting as I do. If you get uh, really into the discussion um, and would like to hear more, please do comment on our Facebook or our Twitter because we'll pull together comments and questions and um, hopefully return with a follow-up episode that can explore these things further. In three years, Cyberdyne will become the largest supplier of military computer systems. All stealth bombers are upgraded with Cyberdyne computers becoming fully unmanned. Afterwards, they will fly with a perfect operational record. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The systems go online August 4th, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. Skynet fights back. (laughs) So goes the um, Terminator 2 narrative of AI technology and the apocalypse. Um, As people are reading about the latest developments in so-called AI tech with the chat, GPT, and similar things, as well as certain AI imaging stuff towards the end of last year. And I think it really, for your average person, came into popular consciousness at the very end of the year or the very start of this year, 2022, 2023. And a bunch of people just go, ooh, fun. Um, Hey, I can get a sermon written for me in the style of John Piper or uh, a story told me uh, about a cheetah in the style of Neil Gaiman or something. Other people, I mean, I'm in the category of people who just felt really creeped out by the whole thing. Just, I, I honestly, I haven't played with any of the technology even a little. I just feel gross about it. Um, some, Christine, you mentioned this before we hit record, um, feel terrified. My, 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 I was chatting my brother yesterday, and he was he was quoting that bit from Terminator, and just going, "I just think this is spooky." Uh, we'll come back to that emotional reaction, but but maybe part of what helps with dealing with emotional reactions is understanding what something actually is, because sometimes your reactions is to your intuitive hunch of what it is rather than what it actually is, you know? So Very true. Uh, yeah, Al, do you want to have a go at trying to capture what, it, uh, what this kind of collection you take is? Um, and maybe in describe, describing it, uh, describe a little bit of what it's not insofar as actual 
you know, kind of computer consciousness and maybe also how much it's similar to what we'd already lived with for, you know, years. Do you kind of get what I'm asking there? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll describe what I know and then I guess the others can jump in yeah. to, to further refine, but uh, especially around chat GPT, but uh, to a certain degree with other um, generative uh, technologies, uh, really what we're looking at is a natural language model that is able to better pass um, prompts that we give it um, and actually give us helpful um, outputs, whether that be a text output, an image output. Um, and so in one sense, uh, what we're working with is at the moment simply an evolution of uh, something that we've all known and loved for the, the longest time, which is um, predictive, text. predictive text and web search. Um, really what uh, these AI models are aren't actually thinking machines, but rather they are just vastly interconnected bits of information that can be drawn upon when prompted uh, to produce an output that seems uh, far more fantastic than uh, we've had uh, over time. Um, so um, does ChatGPT have a mind? No, it doesn't have a mind. It just has a vast array of information that it can then use through various um, machinations to produce something that seems uh, very human. Yeah, How so would you modify that, Simon? Oh, yeah, thanks. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm currently just asking ChatGPT to explain how it works, and it says, when a user inputs a question or statement, I use algorithms to break down the input into its component parts, such as identifying the key subject and verb, and then generate a response by applying statistical models and language rules to the input. To accomplish this, I rely on a vast database of knowledge that I've acquired through my training, which includes billions of words from various sources, such as books, articles, websites, and other textual data. As I continue to receive new inputs and generate new responses, my algorithms use feedback mechanisms to adjust and improve my responses over time based on the accuracy and usefulness of the information I provide. Um, so yeah, I think Al nailed it pretty well. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 a combination of predictive text and Google search. I think that's a really good way of putting it, and I think that also um, brings it down a few notches in terms of uh, viewing it as some superior uh, apocalyptic technology. Yeah. Um, could I ask a couple of follow-ups quickly? So one sure. is. Um, just by the by, I saw a friend say, I don't want to use it because I don't want to help it get smarter. And then the response to that was, no, 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 it's, it's got a limited preload of what it knows. But what you just read out then was it was saying it does in some way get smarter the more it gets used. How do those two? Yes. As far as I understand, that's to do with the natural language, not its knowledge um, gotcha. in terms of phraseology and that kind of thing. Its database is li limited to information that it could gather up until 20, end of 2020, mm -hmm. uh, or no, 2021. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, it will refine its responses according to the various inputs that it's given. Um, so in that degree, I guess it is adding to its own database, uh, but simply as it, it picks up trends in language and requests and actually gets this feedback loop of 
Could I have a go at describing that? A little bit like if I said, um, what is the best um, Matt Dillon film or something? And then over time, the more people type that Google search and click on link two, theoretically, if Google wasn't also motivated by ads, it would push link two up to link one because obviously that's the one people go to. That kind of thing. That's right. Or or as yeah. more people speak about that second uh, second link elsewhere on the internet, and it gets more popular, then yeah. that would be um, how it rises to the top. Yeah. So the style question is one that seems magical to people. If I say do something in the style of whatever, me personally, I don't, haven't found any of the style stuff very convincing actually. <laughs> but um, what is it about that? How, how is the which technology is best you understand it doing that um, because style seems to be humans feel that that's a thing that's um you know got to do with consciousness and emotion um it's you, know, you can't pin it down so how would any guess at how it goes about trying to do that in the style of well it's very um it's just a huge language model as we've said it's really really focused on generating text and natural text so the more content that someone has on the internet, um, the the better it's going to be theoretically at um, at emulating that person um, from that data. But as you say, with specific individuals, it doesn't seem to be particularly good at it. But in general tone, and the, uh, if you give it a character, like a type of person, then it's grabbing from a much broader source than just one person's uh, lifetime output of text on the internet. Um, so if you tell it to act like a certain type of person, it's much better at doing that than emulating, for instance, John Piper, like you mentioned earlier. Right. So Christine, yeah. is, go out. Sorry. Uh, the, the question is, and um, I was actually going to ask Christine this, um, we're, we're, we're so far been talking about this language model, uh, but of course the technology is not just text. But we actually do uh, have the capacity to ask things like DALL-E2 for something in the style of a particular artist and that sort of thing. Um, and that I haven't explored. And I wonder if Christine knows any more. Well, when I first encountered um, people start talking about chat GPT, and then I discovered there was also this AI model that was... Um, sort of mining the internet for artistic styles, which I think came out a few years ago, um, but I hadn't been aware of it. I was immediately struck by the potential to have my students, um, I teach visual arts at a um, private Christian school here in Tasmania, um, to have them play around with it and come up with some prompts, maybe about six or so prompts to develop their ideal work of art. And one of those would be to base it off of maybe one of their favorite artists, but then have a conversation about, well, what does this mean for those who have developed this style over thousands of hours and um, poured um, immeasurable amount of talent and blood, sweat, and tears into developing a portfolio of art only for uh, algorithm to churn out after a few prompts 
something that's within their style. And then to have a really interesting conversation around the ethics of that, which is still ongoing because there are artists who are for it and there's artists who are against it. Yeah. So that's got to do with both intellectual, properly artistic copyrights um, and also implicitly it's about the value that um, the human person brings to artefacts. Like if we all we had was robots, in a sense, things could grind to a halt because robots can't attribute value. Like that's a that's an intangible thing that people give to things, right? And so it is an interesting, yeah. um, uh, interesting extra bit. And yet, obviously, sh- cheap junk is a mass has been a massive thing, uh, especially in the last hundred or so years, hasn't it? Where it's like, ah, oh, I know it's junk, and I know it's not as valuable as other things, but Heck, it's cheap <laughs> and it's easy. Yeah. So I'll um, I'll enjoy the cheap junk anyway. Um, but for decades, when we've been having conversations around AI, even in the realm of science fiction, we've always come back to we need humans still because humans bring the creativity. The machines cannot do the creativity, and so ma- humans are still valuable because they're create creative. However, <laughs> we're learning as people are playing with chat GPT, they're asking it to write poetry. They're asking it to write lyrics to um, worship songs <laughs> and so on. And it's really problematic. Maybe we're not as useful as we thought we were. Yeah, it yeah, really I does. Mean, at this stage, the chat GPT stuff is kind of cr- <laughs> kind of crummy. But yes. uh, yeah, that's the how much better it will get. It, it does really kind of strike at the heart of uh, what is art, what is uh, expression, um, what is real um, in a way that we haven't really been confronted with before outside of um, our various uh, pop culture references, movies, songs, etc. Um, we, we are actually having to ask the questions of, is this a real research paper? Is this a real piece of art? Is this a real um, analysis of um, something significant? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess it does highlight there is a certain version of this kind of thinking that humans do too, right? When we do a lazy satire, we're kind of doing that, aren't we, to some yeah, extent? Right. Um, uh, or um, the, what's the chord progression from that old Axis of Awesome thing, one, five, six, four, or whatever it is that they play like infinity songs in this one chord progression? Um, one, five, yeah, yeah, one, five, six, four. Yeah, um, and so in a sense you go, there are jingle writers and pop song writers who just go, I'll just bash out five, one, five, six, four songs before morning tea and ship them out to forgettable rock stars to sing and, <laughs> and it kind of tickles people a little, don't, you know, and and, um, and so there's a version of that that humans are already kind of not much better than, are we? But it's there's another level of, of deeper high art and low art that does something else has a bit x-factory should we talk about education just before we do like other industries have already had to sort of deal with this not in an ai sense but in terms of a a quality of of output or whatever like the junk food industry is 
functionally uh, producing the sorts of things that uh, chat GPT <laughs> produces for uh, the literary genre. Like you can have, uh, you can bring any uh, teenager in to cook. Um, the machine is set up with all of its, uh, you know, quote unquote algorithms, um, the various drawers and things where all the things are. At a very low quality as well, right? And, and use that That's food. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like that, that paint by numbers output um, exists in many other industries. It's just that this is actually now starting to reach into the, um, the artistic uh, end of expression um, in a much more meaningful way than people's concerns about paint by numbers uh, in the early 90s being, you know, art for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I suppose one other thing I was thinking while you, <clears throat> while you were talking about that is that um, in terms of creativity, um, it's working off a database and it won't get any more um, creative than what we keep feeding into it to an extent um, is, I suppose, one of the things that I think um, people think, oh, well, this is just going to set it off. It's got enough data now that it can infinitely um, generate combinations, but it's still a combination. Um, yeah. And I and as you've mentioned, originality is still in in the human head, as far as we can tell. <laughs> yeah. And also it is deriving from the pool of information available on the internet, which yes, is very yes. vast. It is the biggest source of information that humans have ever produced. And yet is only a fraction of actually capturing the world in which we live. Um, yes. So it's, yeah. it's very much limited by the finiteness of the internet uh, as well. Let's talk education and plagiarism and essays and, and all that. So that's been one of the big panics over the, um, <laughs> the summer <laughs> has been yes. people rushing into seminars. And I guess there's a whole new industry of people who now go, cool, I could charge $1,000 a session to tell the tertiary sector how to handle GPT, I suppose. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. So it's created a new job industry overnight. Um, what are your thoughts? Maybe Christine, do you want to begin with that? You've heard, you've already spoken a little to creative ways that educators can work with the tech rather than reactively against of it out of fear. You've you've looked at a few other things where I related to that how people deal with these questions of plagiarism. Yes. Um, so I'll start on a positive, as teachers, as teachers. always do in their report cards. <laughs> um, so what I'm noticing is useful in the education system is that um, tools like ChatGPT can actually free up teachers to do what they do best, to teach in a classroom with real students and to spend their time molding and cultivating um, excellent human beings. What ChatGPT brings along is almost a, a colleague, a tool in which you can use to brainstorm glean ideas, um, prepare lesson plans, um, not for you, um, but to, but with you, if you will. Um, so one thing that has popped up in conversations among my peers is that the need for us to modify our lessons for gifted students, um, neurodiverse abilities, um, physical disabilities, and so we're essentially being asked to write almost four different lesson plans for one classroom. 
That's a lot of work. It's a lot of bureaucracy. But feeding a simple prompt into chat GPT, here's my standard lesson plan. Um, come up with um, modification uh, exercises suitable for gifted students, one, uh, neurodiverse students, and physically disabled students. And um, you've all of a sudden, within seconds, have some really useful ideas that you can use to springboard. Not that you're going to necessarily use those first ones that come up. You can refresh the prompt to come up with something different if it's not quite suitable for your classroom. But it's a beginning point. I've used this in ministry whenever I've been rostered on to prepare a five-minute kids talk suitable for five-year-olds. I've plugged in the... Um, the Bible passage into chat GPT, given it the prompts that I want it to follow and out it spits a script for five minutes. And you know what? It's kind of okay. It would kind of be good enough, but every single time I've rejected it because it wasn't quite faithful to the passage. It was a bit lame. <laughs> the story or the, the wording was just not suitable for my particular five-year-olds, but every single time it gave me the starting point that I needed to spark that human creativity in partnership with God's word <laughs> to bring about a lesson that I was really happy with, that I got feedback from, um, from the children's faces who were engaged parents who express their appreciation, but because it's for the whole congregation, you know, 80-year-olds who are saying, thank you, I learned a lot from that, and it actually helped me understand, um, and I kept coming back to it during the sermon time, I kept coming back to your illustration that you shared to help tie it all together. Um, so that's where it's really good. Where teachers, and I'm using this word because I've heard it in the teacher's lounge, teachers are terrified <laughs> um, is when it comes to are their students actually feeding back to them knowledge that they actually own or have they spent 30 seconds feeding a prompt into JetGPT and two minutes later have emailed an assignment? Is it, are we going to be able to assess our students' knowledge and skills um, because of chat GPT and other AI. And teachers are terrified. And they're often thinking about going back to the old-fashioned ways <laughs> of writing uh, a paper in the classroom. <laughs> um, under examination. No. Yes, under examination. That's, that's I, also horrible. It's horrible too, isn't it? And like getting students to write their outline in by hand and submit it as part of, you're basically going to be submitting a whole packet of your outline, your first draft, second draft, and third draft handwritten. This is what some teachers are contemplating going, which like, you're absolutely correct. It's horrible. No one wants to do that. There was also, I saw on the internet, um, someone has used a 3D printer connected to ChatGPT, and it's using, huh. it's moving a pen to, and he's uploaded his handwriting um, oh, wow. to the AI so that the, the ChatGPT is writing his assignment on lined school paper. 
and he's going to turn that in. <laughs> what are we to do? Just applaud that guy. Like, that, that's, that's amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't even know how I'd start doing that. Um, and I and so I own a 3D printer, so. <laughs> Almost as quickly as ChatGPT sprung up, um, tools sprung up using yes. ChatGPT to uh, identify things that have yeah, been yeah. written in ChatGPT, which is fantastic. Um, That's great. I must admit uh, the drone. But you can, you can ask it to give output um, that is designed to avoid AI detection tools as well. <laughs> and it's yeah, much better at uh, that. <laughs> that's um, um i was gonna say the drafting one i i quite like i think there's a version of that that makes some sense to me christine where like uh, exam conditions i think is re- exams are horrible but um yeah. uh, but the idea of sharing your working process is a way of sharing your learning so uh, that that could be okay hmm. the, uh, the question i have uh christine so you know you talked about um uh, playing around with kids' talks and things. Um, yeah, I uh, at the moment am straddling a very uh, high-level um, administrative job as well as two days pastoral work. Uh, I have sermons to prepare, but I also have people to meet. Uh, you know, this this Sunday is just going to be so stressful. Am I going to get a sermon done in time? Maybe I can just lean on ChatGPT. Like, at what degree? What degree do we actually say, uh, hey, Alan, this is dangerous for you? Um, where's that line? It's very interesting. Um, I've had a similar conversation with colleagues of mine um, recently, particularly one guy who's very interested in this kind of thing. Um, and it, it really is um, kind of strange when you start plugging things, particularly um uh, theological things into chat GPT because as we've said earlier it's taking it from the database of the internet and if you want to get some decent output you don't want to be merging every single theological opinion on the planet um, no, <laughs> it's that's right it's very very weird um, and and like Christine said earlier about a kids talk sometimes it's like okay this would be good um, if it didn't you know have this particular slant um, and yeah, when you, when you merge those opinions, you just get some really strange output that doesn't fit anyone's opinion, really, in some cases. To some extent, learning how to be better than AI, so in a sense, raising the pass mark is not just a way mm. of the cheating, but it's making your workplace ready too, arguably, isn't it? Like I think about that book you led me, Al, the Cal Newport book, Deep Work, yeah, where deep talking work. about and saying, you know, in deep work, you're saying you've got to be ready for the workplace of the future where you can still add deep value. And in some ways, I feel like if all you can deliver is the sort of essay that maybe ChatGPT can do that you can pass on, if that's then that's no longer going to make you useful in the workforce. Whereas if you can do what Christine says she's doing with her kids' talk, which is revise and improve and develop and personalise, then actually you will be, uh, you know, you will be more useful than the intern who produces stuff that's no better than the robot sort of thing. And yeah. and the other thing is, like, someone might come to you and say, oh, but you're still using chat GPT. Well, as we're preparing kids' spots, sermons, whatever, we are leaning on commentaries we are leaning on other sermons we are leaning on um 
popular cultural expressions. Um, mm-hmm. We already do this. Um, and yes, there's a, there's a degree of shortcutting there, but um, it's, it's the same work uh, in a whole bunch of ways. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, Simon, you've been using it for programming. So give, give us an example for someone who's not great at programming. What's the kind of prompt that you can give that will actually speed up computer program? Can you literally just say, write a computer program that creates a 32-bit platform computer game for me? Or what, what's the kind of example in layman's terms or the sort of prompt you could give it? And how well, I'll tell, you the first, I'll tell you the first thing I used ChatGPT for, and that was to um, ask it to build me a Python script to extract um, two different size pages from a PDF. So I was printing shipping labels and it was combining A6 labels and A4 pages and I wanted to split them up. And so now I just have a Python script that I run and it um, separates that one PDF into two different PDFs with all the different size pages. It's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, you have to say, you have to have a little bit of knowledge and like I want you to write me this sort of code. And then you just iterate on it. Um, you ask it to add this feature because the cool thing about the chat function is that it has the whole context of the conversation. So if you say just add this, then it knows that you want to add this to the previous code that it's that right. it's built. Um, it's very I cool. I think about that movie oh, and yes. the Dance where Mozart's on his deathbed and he's um, dictating whatever it is, the, the Requiem to to Salieri, and he just goes, then the strings go, da-da-da-da-da-da, and Salieri goes, ah, yes, beautiful, yes, and then he's kind of writing lines and lines and lines of stuff. I assume to some extent that's dramatised for cinema, but to some extent that is how high-level composers work. Al, you're a... You're a yeah, that's right. So, so in a sense, what Simon's describing is almost the Amadeus-Salieri equivalent with Python script. Right. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, like there's... Yep. Um, especially for film composers, there's like a a degree of style that they've managed to codify. Just go, da, 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 I'll leave you to it, and then walks out of the room. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that that's that's sort of the thing. Yeah, like again, um, ChatGPT is just sort of fulfilling a role that we have had in many industries for so long. Um, the writers' room, as it comes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, writer's room, uh, composer's room, um, yep. yeah. Five.com. <laughs> it's so it's just not as good. Yeah. So here's a question for the programming, yeah. two things that not knowing enough to know if these are questions. Is there a risk <laughs> that something could become then, um, I guess the two things I wonder is, could we inadvertently get bad code or just really clumsy inefficient code slip into the system but because people get oh, lazy definitely. at QA, they never quality assurance, they never notice it. And so actually it yeah. might take a lot longer before we go, you know what, back here, Chat GPT came up with a work. I know humans do this too, but are those some risks that you end up with? Oh, definitely. Um, One of the things that I came across, um, I watched a guy um, build a an audio plugin that basically emulated a distortion guitar pedal. And so that requires a few different pieces of like a few different pages of code for different parts of the plugin and basically um he said oh i just noticed one comment he made is like okay you wouldn't write that like that because that's entirely insecure and basically creates a 
backdoor into your computer system to for hackers or whatever. It's, so there's these security checks that unless you know to ask the thing to build it into your code, some teenager who comes up with the next big app idea is definitely going to be publishing some stuff on the internet. Uh, it's like, here's this new plugin or script that I made, and it's just wide open for malware because he doesn't know any better to ask ChatGPT to deal with that. Or might have a memory leak uh, that will yeah, fill up exactly. your computer's RAM with yeah. um, <laughs> unnecessary information that crash your computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It's so complex. Um, it's a good starting block. It's a great place to learn how to do things that would take you four hours of Googling and sifting through posts to figure out how to do. But um, but in terms of specific output, you, it's really a, a starting place. It's not a finished product. All right, we're nearly out of time. So I've got two questions that I'll we'll maybe run across you guys as a panel. First question is, what would you say, each of you, three of you? Um, uh, we'll go in the order I can see you on my screen. Christine, then Simon, and Al. Um, what would you say to if if you were sitting next to both a terrified teacher um, and the the kind of slightly creeped out Mikey? You know, so one person's frightened about where will this go, and maybe maybe they're scared of Skynet and and you know the apocalypse. And then me, who just feels gross about it. What would you say to us? Is the first thing. And the second question is, if there was one YouTube or article you'd recommend um, people, if they wanted to find out more, what would you point them to? So, Christine, do you want to answer both of those together? So how would you respond to the feelings of disgust or terror? And then secondly, if there was one resource you'd point people to for further reading or watching or listening? Sure. Um, so... In the teacher's lounge and with um, just people at church who have expressed their concerns, especially because they know that I also do ministry with uni students. And are you talking to your uni students? You know, what about the ethics? And are you preparing them not to cheat? Are you doing training with them? Um, all of this is discipleship and living faithfully in the current world that we find ourselves in. The 12 disciples weren't dealing with AI, and there's nothing in um, the Gospels in Jesus' <laughs> parables that explicitly is preparing us for this day and age. I do not believe, however, that we need to proceed from a spirit of fear. Um, in many ways, we utilize personal assistance, and in the classroom, we use teachers' aids to make our job easier, to share the load so that we can do what we do best. Um, and in that sense, using remembering that it is a tool and it is as good and as bad as we use it, much like social media. A lot of people are afraid of it and want to avoid it at all costs, and that is entirely up to them. But a lot of people like myself use it as a tool to connect with people all around the world. And I've I've met my husband that way. So <laughs> I'm obviously a fan. <laughs> um, as far as uh, resources go, um, Nathan Campbell has done some work uh, with this and has blogged through um, some of his experiments with ChatGPT as a minister in Queensland. It's a really fun read to follow along. Um, your eyebrows will fly off your face at some of the things that uh, he comes up with, but it's worthwhile. 
it's worth your time. Absolutely. I 100% back that. Saint-Uticus.com. Yep. Simon, what would you say to the uh, the frightened or disgusted and what resource would you recommend? Well, I really appreciate what Christine said, um, but my first instinct as a tech guy is usually to encourage people to actually learn a little bit about the tech. So particularly the people who use the word terrified and really frightened, I found that most of them haven't used it themselves and it's really easy to. So I suppose I would encourage people to just, or I would get out my phone and show them um, how terrible it is, basically. Um, I think, I think, I think, I think that, yeah, I think that does a, a good, uh, a good amount of work in calming people down. Um, and the other thing um, is that, yeah, just learning a bit about how it works. Um, so not only viewing its own output for yourself and realizing it's not Terminator, it's not Skynet, it's not Skynet, sorry, but um, but also just learning a bit about how incredibly complex it is um, to get this kind of thing to work um, and, and that it's really a, a, a system of smaller machines on the back end. So a simple YouTube explainer video generally breaks it down to a point where you're like, oh, okay, that's fairly simple and not as like, not as similar to like a neural network as, as one might imagine uh, when you first hear that term. But um, in terms of <clears throat> in terms of resources, then um, yeah, it would be fairly closely linked to the answer to that first question, where I would just encourage people to watch a few minutes of YouTube on how it works and, um, and what it's being used for in a useful way. Yeah, so they can try it out themselves, so they can then pass on the information of how terrible it is um, in, a, in a functional sense um, <laughs> to other people who are also terrified so that you, you, Mikey, you've had conversations with us now and then when your friends who are also terrified and uh, nauseated by a chat GPT, you can, you can um, put a word in there and just say, hey, look, it's, it's, it's got these pros, it's got these cons, it works really well doing this, it's really, really, really terrible at doing that. Um, yeah, but as you say, the, um, the next 5, 10, 20 years, um, it's going to get much, much better, so it's definitely an issue. But in the, in the here and now, that, that fear is definitely uh, not warranted in my opinion. Yeah, and that's a, we didn't have a chance to get to the question of guessing how far and what ceilings the tech might have, but uh, maybe that's for another day. Um, Alan? Yeah. Um, my comments would be, uh, so I'm in general fairly positive about this, um, but then all, all my uh, comments to those uh, those complaints will be a bit circumspect. Um, it's, it's a tool. It's a modern tool. Um, and with all tools, we want to use tools well. Um, we need to recognise its limits and its dangers, yes, um, but uh, we don't also want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, tools are, like some, some could argue that this is a tool that is uh, created um, looking for a problem, um, whereas most tools that we create are uh, trying to fulfil a specific problem, but... Um, I, I think that would be a bit unfair. The, the tool of ChatGPT and these various AI uh, things um, really does 
broaden, as Christine's illustrated, um, our capacity and allows us to get on with the world of teaching mm. well or uh, various yeah. things. So it is a tool, um, but uh, certainly it, we need to have this uh, important cultural conversation. Uh, we want to avoid being Luddites. Um, instead, you know, recognise its potential and then help shape policy and culture to leverage the tool for good. Um, but then also, you know, like with, with all sorts of technology, we've always had this sort of response. When smartphones uh, arrived, uh, probably when TV first arrived, obviously I was not alive when that happened, um, with predictive text, self-driving cars, new battery tech, modern medical procedures and mRNA, all these sorts of things, we need to, with every new piece of technology, we need to have these ethical discussions. Um, uh, AI, um, natural language models are not the new big monster. They're just another one thing that we need to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I would say don't um, don't cry that the sky's falling. Um, say, okay, that's another thing that we need to chat about. Um, in terms of resources to read, um, kind of the source, really, um, the the OpenAI website, uh, with, with its descriptions of how it works, uh, is very helpful and um, helps to um, satiate those fears. Um, uh, but then, yeah, I like similarly, Nathan Campbell's work on this has been great fun. Uh, there are many other thought leaders that are uh, writing about um, the technology at the moment. Um, but then also I would say steer clear of um, the vast amount of information about uh, these technologies that are just simply looking to feed off your fears. Um, beware of your confirmation bias. Um, if you have concerns, uh, look for someone with a different point of view and have a read um, because that's going to go a long way to uh, helping us have mature, good conversations around this stuff. Mm. Thank you very much everyone gosh that was just as good as i hoped it would be and I, I mean i found it helpful um and i'm sure it'll be a real help to a whole lot of other people um so <laughs> i really appreciate it and who knows we may pick up the conversation um down the track in in some way shape or form but for now i know some of you've got to go so we'll um finish it there great thanks mike well thank you this podcast is brought to you by new front door the church it guild New Front Door exists to help churches and Christian ministries to use IT tools to support IT volunteers, to love people, and proclaim the gospel more deeply, efficiently, and effectively. For more information, visit newfrontdoor.org.